welcome to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally. And today we will preview the British Grand Prix. And let's jump right into some of the uh, bit of news going around this week. Uh, some some fun news and some interesting news and looking ahead to next season already. Uh, so, uh, as I'm sure lots of drivers already are, but this is more about the schedule, Steve, than it is actually like uh, driver upgrades. Yeah, so uh, we got a new drop, and uh, the 2024 schedule has dropped. Tw- uh, 24 races for 2024, which was what we anticipated this year, but uh, you know, lost one due to ongoing uh, pandemic issues, and lost the other one to weather. And this schedule has lent itself to some of the conversations we've had earlier on this cast and some of the complaints from the drivers and from others about some regionality adjustments where they're not flying all over the map here um, uh, for race one to race two to race three, but there's actually going to be some thought put into let's spend uh, three or four races in a particular region uh, or at least get our money's worth. And, uh, Still a little oddities in the schedule, and I think that might be due to weather and some other things like that. But uh, definitely happy to see, you know, certain races stay. Definitely happy to see some races moved around. And I think so far it's a pretty good schedule. Uh, always room for improvement, but, I mean, light years better than what we've been seeing. Right. So, I mean, you know, we, we still have the two Middle Eastern races to start off. And, you know, those are back-to-back. Makes sense. And then we actually spend you know three races in the uh asia pacific area and japan gets moved way earlier in the schedule which i think a lot of people uh had hoped could happen you know for the sake of regionality but also uh having some better weather it might line up a little bit with uh you know the cherry blossom season in japan so really taking advantage of their place in the schedule um, so that looks great, especially in theory and, and what some people had asked for, especially in sustainability. But I think there is still some pushback from the personnel who have to go and, uh, you know, attend these races from the team because, you know, it's not like they're staying out there in those areas. They are uh, European-based teams, so they will leave uh, Jeddah in Saudi Arabia and fly back home and then fly to Australia and then after Australia fly back home and then fly out to Japan and then fly back home and then fly out to China and then fly back home and then head to Miami so like yes there's three races in a row in the same uh, region-ish and it's a little bit better collated that way but it's still going to be pretty taxing to everybody involved to get these race teams up and running. And not for nothing, I believe the way the schedule is spread out, and it is because it is 24 races, um, I believe there's only one month on the schedule next year that there is not F1 racing happening. So That's January, yeah. Yeah, and so that's starting to make it a year-round sport, and when it's a year-round sport, that's not much of an off-season, and that's not really great for the drivers, and we've already heard the driver du jour this you know the past couple of years max uh verstappen uh kind of king of the heap and guy who can probably say the most right now uh saying he's not happy and he's been on the record saying if they keep doing more of this stuff that takes away from the free time of the drivers and the downtime of the drivers he may not want to drive anymore 
and I'm sure there's 19 other drivers being like, see you later, Max. But uh, at this point, I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. It's a, It can be a bit of a, a heavy schedule. It's one thing if you, you know, like, for instance, baseball in the United States, you know, can pretty much be a February, March, uh, talking about spring training and gearing up. And if you go deep into the playoffs, almost into November now, that's a long, that's a long season. But you get your downtime, and you're domestically based for the most part. You're not traveling all over. Um, When you're traveling all over the globe over the course of 11 months, uh, it's probably not really fun for anybody, uh, even if you're young like Max. Um, And so I'm curious to a point where this expansion and growth in the schedule becomes unsustainable for the people, as you mentioned, the personnel who are really probably put in the most dire straits here. Right. I mean, you know, a couple things. Speaking from a seat of experience as a former high school baseball player, baseball is not exactly taxing on the body as much as 24 races where your life is in the balance. You can't take for granted the extremes that you put yourself through. And, and, you know, it's, um, you know, up to your skill level and the skill level of the 19 people around you driving to make sure everyone you know finishes the race safely and you know it's 24 races for everyone so at the end of the year everybody's a little bit strained everybody's a little bit beat you know if you're driving these things at 220 miles an hour you want to be at your physical physiological mental peak and you know, I think this is going to really test the limits of the drivers. And at the same time, you know, the drivers are getting fairly well compensated for it. It's you know, those other people on the team, you know, on the on the mechanic side, on the catering side, the marketing side, you know, they're not making millions of dollars, but you know, they're not going to see a whole lot of their family if they're working the entire schedule. You know, we we still have our summer break. Uh, after spa where there's you know a good four weeks off there's also another uh, kind of fall break for another three weeks in between Singapore and uh, Austin uh, it's still you know a lot of time away from your family and it, you know that, that's a lot to weigh in as far as you know what you want to do as a career some people it's not a question but I'm sure there's a lot of people when the schedule came out you know maybe you know, had a double take. It's like, wow, this is going to be quite an investment of my time and mental capacity. Um, but let's let's talk about some of the the highlights that are going to be on the schedule for next year. So, you know, on, on the positive side, uh, it's an absolutely stacked schedule. Uh, we haven't gained necessarily anybody new, except for we will try to go to China and race again, which is something we haven't done since 2019. And some some races stay, and I do like that uh, we get races at the same point in the season, but we don't necessarily get them moved around like Brazil. Um, we do end with two Middle Eastern races, um, and that's solid and all. Uh, one little quick thing about what we were talking about, though, is it kind of reminds me of year-round school, Steve. You know, in the <laughs> United States here, we we 
had people who are moving to a year-round school, a modernization of the school system. Kids go to school year-round. And what that means for those who are not familiar with the year-round school is that, you know, you go for school at a certain amount of time, then you're off a certain amount of time, then you're back on for a certain amount of time, et cetera, right? Um, there is no summer break. And, you know, summer break is a outcropping uh, your history lesson of the week of an agrarian society and the kids being off in the summer to help with the crops. But, um, that's what this feels like, I guess. I don't know if they're going to guarantee as much downtime as they always got, just spread it out through the course of a year, but that's what it feels like. It's like, I want my summer break, and a lot of drivers are like, I want my summer break. Uh, and uh, the F1 officials are like, trust me, you'll get just as much time off going to school all year. And <laughs> that's really the, the kind of trade-off. But Yeah, it feels like um, a bad deal, like sitting on that side of the table. You know, right. I... Uh, and you know we, we've hit 24 races do the people in charge look like you know what there might be still more room to do 25 26 because for them it's it's a math equation as far as you know uh, another venue is going to give us money to host an event we can keep leveraging the broadcast rights like it's only going to be good if if I'm F1, if I'm Liberty Media, like the money's going to keep rolling in if I just keep adding on. But what, you know, what points the saturation point? We're looking at this year where, yeah, hey, we're going to have 22 races, but if Max wins 20 of them, do I want four more races to watch, you know, Max essentially like lead parade laps for an hour and a half with no one, you know, it's going to even. Uh, you know, get anywhere within thirty seconds of them by the time the race is over. Like, it, they have to be quality over quantity. Yeah, you can improve. You you can increase the the quantity, but if the quality is not there, it doesn't make a difference. And uh, I think here, um, I'm just interested to see if this growth will pay off right um you know this could be that outcropping year that outlier if you will where it's like this is as bad as it's gonna get it'll get a lot closer next year it'll be a little bit more you know whatever uh we just have to survive this and then we'll have a great season next year um but i, I don't know it, it's just uh it's a bit it's a bit of an interesting schedule i'm excited you know as a fan i'd like to see as many races as possible until it becomes the slog of you know watching who finishes second every week so well you know if they keep adding more races it might just turn max off from the sport and he decides to walk away anyway and do something else like you know maybe he does le mans racing because it's only a handful of races a year in that you know class of cars and uh you know (laughs) maybe we can see some competition again i mean like i mean as someone right now who is aligned to uh, challenged the greatest racers of all time in F1 uh, on his current track and his current form with his current car. Um, you would think that the competitor in him would, in him would want to achieve that status or at least have a shot to. Um, but no one's going to sit there and be like, uh, you can do what you want. He's made a ton of money. He can always go somewhere else and do something. Um, and because uh, he's a, a high in demand driver in person and uh, he can claim what 
three straight championships in a row leaves on a high note like uh, Nico Rosberg did and uh, right off into the sunset and people will just say he got fed up with F1 no one's going to question whether or not he could have done it kind of gets to play the game both ways had he stayed he would have been the greatest of all time but he doesn't actually have to prove it right it's like oh Um, come on look at me I, I, I went out there I didn't even have to try I was messing around the last two laps let me pit and they told me no, and I did it anyway. I could have done whatever I want, still won the champion. Like, he gets to play the narrative. And, hey, look, that's a good spot to be in. I don't blame Max for wanting to be in that spot. It's perfect for him. Um, but maybe that's what F1 wants. Or like, he's a little too good. Like Michael Jordan. We'll just force him to go play baseball in Birmingham for a year and a half. And then, and then, the NBA can catch up and then come back. It'll be fine. So, this is... Uh, that's kind of the bit of the talk, but I mean, a few other things this week, Steve. Uh, we've got some uh, new liveries as well. Um, uh, debuting the the chrome wasn't as chrome as I wanted out of McLaren. Uh, I thought Williams looked a little, rather nice. Yeah, um, you know, I'd like the uh, you know the British flag on the back. Um, almost called it the Union Jack, but I think somebody corrected me once and said, you know, that's not actually the Union Jack. And I'm like, all right, well, don't well actually me. <laughs> Too shit. He goes, yeah, it's like, uh, I had this conversation the other day. The, the right term uh, for, uh, like, what does the United Kingdom mean versus Great Britain versus England, right? Uh, that's one of those kind of conversations. Uh, what's the flag, right? Yeah, that's all um, fair and good. But, I mean, if, if, if people colloquially call it the Union Jack and you tell me, like, no, it's not the Union Jack, it's actually the Union flag. And, like, the Jack is... Uh, a term that's used uh, I don't know I, I don't want to have myself corrected again but like uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's this the reason they're correcting me is stupid and I don't want to explain why it's stupid I'm fine I'm fine right yeah um, it's, it, it's only a jack because uh, jack is is the term used when it's like flown from a ship and when it's flown from you know the, oh, the yeah. land or whatever you know like okay yeah okay, yeah yeah okay. I, I, I I made this mistake before right uh, I'm a journalist. If you do not know this, I came through journalism school. I did one of my first stand-ups in journalism school for the show, and I had to talk about a, a flag that was flying at, um, you know, was lowered on behalf of someone who had died. And what happened was um, I said that the flag was being flown at half-mast. It was on land, though. So they cut my stand up because I made a mistake. I should have said half staff, right? Half mass is on a boat, right? However, technically speaking, this is what you can tell them back, Steve. I was right because half mass and half staff are interchangeable. It does not matter. But my boss at the time, my news director, my teacher told me otherwise. So yeah, he goes, I like it where I can always be right even if I'm wrong. And that worked out there for me. But (laughs) even though I I lost my stand up. Of yeah. all the things to get canceled for, Ryan. I know, but flags are flags, and we'll, we'll um, move beyond that. Um, yeah, it reminds me of the time I was on a ship, and I said, wow, look at this cannon. They said, no, it's not a cannon. When it's on a ship, it's called a gun. And they made me walk the plank. <laughs> uh, so, yes, the Williams livery looks good. McLaren, ultimately, they had teased us their, uh, you know, uh, late 2000s, early 2010s, uh, Vodafone chrome like legendary livery and they came up with something that looked like Daryl Waltrip's Parts America car which I like but you know that's not what we wanted so a little disappointing 
Uh, Aston Martin announced their new partnership with Valvoline and I think made their car look worse because the blue and red doesn't really go with the green. Uh, yeah, that was it wasn't my f- favorite. Yeah. Uh, we also got the unveiling of a livery as well, but it was more of an actual unveiling of a car for the Formula One race uh, movie that we've been looking for, the Formula One uh, movie that we've all been waiting for. Uh, and uh, I just, you know, the joke being that I know we shared this with each other, Steve, but that uh, more people sponsored that car and that fake movie than they did Haas and Williams, but uh, all the same. We're looking forward to um, people who are too old to, uh, to drive F1 as actors <laughs> look like they're uh, actual uh, real F1 drivers. Even Fernando Alonso is younger than who will be driving in these movies, so we'll see. Yeah, so Brad Pitt is pushing 60. Uh, I think Fernando could last that long if he wanted to. Brad Pitt still looks great, though. Like, I'm not knocking the guy. Right. He still looks he, fantastic. He could probably reasonably pull off 45, I could say, maybe, uh, especially yeah, under a helmet. Yeah, uh, you know, the uh, the movies, uh, the team in the movie is called Apex GP, and they, they have a pit stall right next to Ferrari, so if they get better strategy than Ferrari, like that's that's going to be really embarrassing. Uh, but they're going to be filming uh, this weekend. They have modified F uh, modified F2 cars. They look like F1 cars because they've changed up the uh, body, but essentially underneath it's an F2 car. Uh, Brad is supposedly getting laps himself in the car, not just stunt drivers. Uh, I think they'll be also participating on the uh, formation lap at the beginning of the race. So I'm hoping he takes out mask and t- you know, <laughs> take out max, do one for, uh, take one for the team. That'd be great. Um, really looking forward to the movie. It's directed by Joseph Kaczynski who did uh, top gun Maverick and did in flight filmmaking. And I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, he's also from the criminally underrated Tron legacy, which I doesn't think, you know, I don't think it gets enough love. Um, I love that movie actually, um, and I do believe they are making a sequel to that version of the movie, or at least in the spirit of that movie. So God bless, and it's only because Disney needs to support their ride-making machine at Disney World in Disneyland. <laughs> but I under I understand. But no, no nothing uh, green lights a sequel faster than a roller coaster. Right. I mean, like you know, uh, yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, let's make seven of those things. We need people to ride this ride. But um, for for me, I'm excited to see a formula one movie in the height of this fame or or this extended like interest in formula one and as realistic as possible we've seen some decent ones come out in the past few years uh, especially about like historical um but rush rush was great about uh, uh um and uh you know some other elements i think are out there as well like some race uh there's gonna be one on apple uh, that like Danny's doing stuff and Lewis is doing stuff They're getting involved in that world. So I'm excited to see what this bears out, but um, we'll see what the, the race stuff is. Now they're not actually racing. That would be a hell of a thing, but um, well, that's what I they did in days of thunder, you know, days of thunder. Um, they entered in cars in the races, you know, they kind of raced in the back, but you know, they let them qualify and, and, drive around and film them and film them on track with the other cars uh 
you know, but that this is this is 1990. You could do whatever you want in the 90s, especially in NASCAR. Well, NASCAR is different too. I mean, like there's 40 cars out there, and people do that all the time for funsies. And I just, you know, like yeah. some some random guy in the hometown that he's going, he goes, "We're we're in Darlington this week," and some guy threw together his money enough to to put out a good enough car, uh, you know, uh, to try to get into the race. He's the regional driver, and he manages to put down a time and qualifies, and uh, he's out there, you know, uh, putting on the four-way flashers. So, I mean, like, that's the way it is. It's different in F1, you know. There's a lot of danger and half-assing it out there. And, uh, you know, there's only 20 teams allowed, and no one's allowed to just come and go as they please. Yeah, seem- uh, seemingly every Daytona 500, there's some guy who's 63 years old who manages to qualify. And, like, we're, 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 I guess you just got to do three laps at a decent pace and not hit the wall. And, you know, you can be 43rd in the Daytona 500. Well, uh, the Xfinity series just had its first road course, uh, its first, like, like in the city, like rate course, like we see all the time in F1. Um, and a guy who's a regional driver for like that kind of stuff, he won his first race in Xfinity. Yep. on that type of track and that happens all the time you get your specialists in nascar they come in and they're like why is this guy beating tony stewart or jeff gordon or jimmy johnson it's good old boris said yeah, boris said you know the old ringer right so yeah i mean uh interesting and the guy was even very like you know uh humble about it he says you take the best three or four drivers in my sport they could come out here and do the same thing right so um yeah that's you know we're not going to get that but we are going to hopefully get some quality as close as the action as we possibly can and we'll see some of that happening at silverstone this week yeah we just don't want a driven yeah god bless Sylvester stallone but you know uh you know trying to convince me that you know he's an indie car driver because he hums when he races and he can pick up quarters with his tires like i okay sure (laughs) yeah i don't know um, but, so yeah, let, let's talk about some of the uh, you know storylines coming into the race, especially uh, it being a big race for upgrades for a lot of teams. Right, um, Mercedes is supposed to be bringing its biggest and bestest and most promised package to this weekend in what's essentially their home race, um, and. It's the one they've been promising. It's the one they've been talking up all year. Like Silverstone, are, Silverstone, yeah. Silverstone. The upgrades that have been promised. Uh, and so as that's all well and good, and, and I've mentioned this to you, Steve, but I just feel like somewhere deep down in my heart, uh, in their wildest dreams, all these upgrades do is put George or Lewis in the picture when Max crosses the finish line right uh i don't know if this is enough to get them past max or the red bulls um but let's hope i'm wrong um well, I, you know, I, I would I, like to see some car make a, a enough of advancement this year that they're competitive in a race or two against that red bull i mean i i think about you know this time last year you know they had a car that was porpoising you know the zero side pod concept they were in full swing with it they hated it it was terrible um, but they, you know, were still having consistent podiums. George Russell had finished in the top five every single time out. Um, they were, you know, not looking in the rearview mirror uh, at Aston Martin coming at them. You know, at, at this point, 
you know, at the same time this year, like they're coming off their worst race of the season, uh, had issues in qualifying, had issues in the sprint race qualifying. Uh, you know, they finished eighth and ninth, or excuse me, seventh and eighth in the race. They had only picked up one point from the sprint. It was just, it, it was the worst weekend of the year. And it, you know, maybe it was down to setup issues, but, you know, to have, you know, Lando Norris and the McLaren outshine you in a customer car with your engine. You know, it, it's not what they expected to be at this point of the season. Even even if they hadn't changed their concept, I feel like this is still further back than what they had hoped they believed. Nowhere near punching up. Now they're just trying to cling on to their slim lead to second place, which is down now to only three points. Um, so these upgrades really need to bring something significant. Uh, and I, I think maybe the best case scenario for them is a double podium of second and third. That's like the best, best case scenario. Yeah, but I feel like they might have been able to swing that with what they had. So, <laughs> I mean, you got to keep up with the Joneses and other teams are making improvements. And, you know, we saw McLaren make some last week and they might actually give it to Oscar this week or not. We'll see. Um, but we're seeing people make improvements at this point in the season. We see some teams already punting and looking for next year. But what I'm hoping for here is that we see a little closeness. There is upgrades coming uh, for essentially all of the British drivers uh, that are already in place. And I'm hoping that it'll maybe have some mojo in Silverstone and might have a nice little, you know, surprise ending for us. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, even, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, as long as we even get battles a little bit further down the field, like maybe fighting for those last uh, points paying positions because Alfa Romeo and even Alfa Tauri are bringing upgrades. Uh, not sure what the point is for them at this point. I kid. But, you know, <laughs> Nick needs some kind of help and you know if he gets this floor upgrade and gets a chance he's only got a couple races left to make an impression um but ferrari uh, ferrari had showed uh some strong form coming out of austria they're in the fight aston martin's been there all year uh lance has seemingly been a little bit stronger since his nightmare in monaco uh he's still not anywhere near as consistently fast as his teammate but you know if you got two Aston Martins in the fight two Ferraris in the fight uh, you know Mercedes is already behind two Red Bulls they could blink and kind of have the same week where they're 7th and 8th again beat out by these other teams and that's you know without even considering you know Lando in his home race coming off of his best performance of the year right so, you have some predictions ready uh, as we figure out if we think this is going to be a fun yeah. Grand Prix for us? Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Let me go first. Let me go first. I'm trying to do something. Okay. <laughs> uh, Max is going to win. That's my first prediction. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to do the same thing, but I told you I have a plan. So. Uh, my second prediction is we will have a British driver on the podium. Oh, you're killing me, Steve. I think you're picking all my ones, but go ahead. Well, I mean, that that's 
that's like a good buckshot there. You know, you get a lot of you get a lot for your money in that prediction. Uh, my third prediction is somebody from Haas will score points. Okay. okay. So. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm I'm not gonna consider Alex in the British driver conversation. I mean, if he ends up on the podium, so help me, I will you know once again put some apparel and my money on the line, and I will buy Williams apparel if Alex gets a podium in this race. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, what do you got for me? All right, well, you took like two of my picks, so I don't know if I should pick those or not. I might uh, have benefit to of going first. Yes. So. I'm going to stick with my max because I, I, I have to keep my link. I have to keep my, my jinx going, my reverse jinx going. But I told you that I would guarantee myself not to get three points if I'm going to do it. So You're going to pick two drivers to win? Correct. So oh. I am going to pick Max Verstappen to win. And I'm going to pick Charles Leclerc to win. We're about to see our first tie in F1 history. <laughs> um, and... Because you took my British driver will finish on the podium, I'll be more specific. I think we will get Lewis as the British driver on the podium. Lewis finished on the podium last year, uh, you know, after that great through goes Hamilton moment, one of the great calls from Crofty. Um, thought he had a chance to win last year. Ultimately, didn't have the the pace to keep up with Carlos. Um, you know, I I was almost hoping you didn't pick Lewis because I don't want you to jinx him. Uh, I, but you know, I'm thinking in my mind like who who out of the three British drivers would I want to see up there, and I almost want to see Lando up there the most. I almost picked Lando, but it was hard for me to say Lando, who finished sixth here last year, so solid and with and improving with the upgrades. Would I would almost say like Hamilton. The upgrades with Mercedes would almost have to be nothing uh, for Lando to have a shot, theoretically. I felt like Lando's upgrades made him competitive with the Mercedes. If the Mercedes upgrades are just marginally better, it'll put them back in front. So that's where I was like, I don't know if I can go with Lando. And I almost went George, because sometimes George gets a better run out of things, changes than than Lewis does. But have you considered track limits, though? <laughs> I'm still considering track limits but like with George George DNF'd here last year it's hard to kind of get a gauge of how he can actually run here um, so I didn't want to gamble there either so I might have gone with a safe pick with Lewis but at least I'm I, I, I'm picking someone specific right so um, Lewis will finish on the podium Charles will win and Max will win guaranteeing me probably zero points this week as Lewis wins the race, right? <laughs> so that would that would guarantee me. Well, hold on. No, no it would guarantee he, me one point. He's on the so podium. If Lando wins, that would probably and, and Lewis doesn't end up. That would be the way I would lose, or anybody other than Max or Charles. Um, so yeah, or Lewis. So I've kind of locked myself into three guys having to podium in some way, shape, or form. I, I I've. Still think like you know Max will end up winning. Lewis will get on the podium, and then Charles will win Driver of the Day. 
Well, I mean, like, I will take any points for Charles at all unless he wins the race. No, that's 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 fair. Just uh, yeah, your your powers of prediction have left me spooked. I uh, I have no idea. Uh, it would be fun. I mean, we'll never have a tie in this sport, right? That's never going to happen. I don't think it's even reasonably possible that I could get three points this week. Not even in the realm of possibility. Right. Well, you know, in in uh, was it the the sprint race that uh, it was George and Esteban? They came down, uh, and I think they finished nine thousandths apart. Like Esteban oh, yeah, had we... just gone from, and they had a um, like a photo finish from the finish line. Like there, there's a chance you could get it close enough and not tell. Like there, there's right. some pretty sensitive telemetry there and the high speed camera, but you know, nine thousandths of a second was still only, you know, a couple of inches nose to nose. So I, you know, I'm not ruling anything out at this point. They might have More, to yeah. chainsaw the trophy in half. More likely to happen is that Charles wins. There's some post race investigation. He gets bumped down the second. Max wins after the race. And that's what happens. I won't take points for that either. I won't take two points for that either. But that's what will probably happen. In some magical way, both guys won the race at some point in time. It just didn't stick for both of them. Well, I mean, if if that happens, you're going to tell me what stock to buy then. Because at, at this point, I have to do whatever you tell me. <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get an interesting race. I'm... Uh, I'm guaranteeing myself no points for the enjoyment of others. I hope, uh, <laughs> I, I, if I, if I, if we, if I get no points this week, I think it'll be a hell of a GP. Um, so good luck. And I think as good a time as any, Steve, to end our preview. Um, so this has been this edition of the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Steve McNally. And we will catch you next time across the line. <laughs>